Chapter Seven of Voltaire and the French Enlightenment by Will Durant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. The Encyclopedia and the Philosophic Dictionary. The popularity of so irreverent a book as Candide gives us some sense of the spirit of the age. The lordly culture of Louis the Fourteenth's time despite the mass of bishops who spoke so eloquent a part in it had learned to smile at dogma and tradition the failure of the reformation to capture france had left for frenchmen no halfway house between infallibility and infidelity and while the intellect of germany and england moved leisurely in the lines of religious evolution the mind of france jumped precipitately from the hot faith which massacred the huguenots to the cold hostility with which la maitrie helvetius olbach and diderot turned upon the religion of their fathers let us look for a moment at the intellectual environment in which the later voltaire moved and had his being la maitrie seventeen o nine to fifty one was an army physician who had lost his post by writing a natural history of the soul and had won exile by a work called man a machine he had taken refuge at the court of frederick who was himself something of an advanced thinker and was resolved to have the very latest culture from paris le maitre took up the idea of mechanism where the frightened descartes like a boy who has burned his fingers had dropped it and announced boldly that all the world not excepting man was a machine the soul is material and matter is soulful but whatever they are they act upon each other and grow and decay with each other in a way that leaves no doubt of their essential similarity and interdependence if the soul is pure spirit how can enthusiasm warm the body or fever in the body disturb the processes of the mind all organisms have evolved out of one original germ through the reciprocal action of organism and environment the reason why animals have intelligence and plants none is that animals move about for their food while plants take what comes to them man has the highest intelligence because he has the greatest wants and the widest mobility beings without wants are also without mind although la maitrie was exiled for these opinions helvetius seventeen fifteen to seventeen seventy one who took them as the basis of his book on man became one of the richest men in france and rose to position and honour here we have the ethic as in la maitrie the metaphysic of atheism all action is dictated by egoism self-love even the nero follows the feeling which for him is associated with the greatest pleasure and virtue is egoism furnished with a spy-glass conscience is not the voice of god but the fear of the police it is the deposit left in us by the stream of prohibitions poured over the growing soul by parents and teachers and press morality must be founded not on theology but on sociology the changing needs of society and not any unchanging revelation or dogma must determine the good the greatest figure in this group was denis diderot seventeen thirteen to eighty four his ideas were expressed in various fragments from his own pen 
and in the system of nature of baron dolbach seventeen twenty three to eighty nine whose salon was the centre of diderot's circle if we go back to the beginning says olbach we shall find that ignorance and fear created the gods that fancy enthusiasm or deceit adorned or disfigured them that weakness worships them that credulity preserves them and that custom respects and tyranny supports them in order to make the blindness of men serve its own interests belief in god said diderot is bound up with submission to autocracy the two rise and fall together and men will never be free till the last king is strangled with the entrails of the last priest the earth will come into its own only when heaven is destroyed materialism may be an oversimplification of the world all matter is probably instinct with life and it is impossible to reduce the unity of consciousness to matter and motion but materialism is a good weapon against the church and must be used till a better one is found meanwhile one must spread knowledge and encourage industry industry will make for peace and knowledge will make a new and natural morality these are the ideas which diderot and d'alembert laboured to disseminate through the great encyclopedie which they issued volume by volume from seventeen fifty two to seventeen seventy two the church had the first volume suppressed and as the opposition increased diderot's comrades abandoned him but he worked on angrily invigorated by his rage i know nothing so indecent he said as these vague declamations of the theologians against reason to hear them one would suppose that men could not enter into the bosom of christianity except as a herd of cattle enters a stable it was as paine put it the age of reason these men never doubted that the intellect was the ultimate human test of all truth and all good let reason be freed they said and it would in a few generations build utopia diderot did not suspect that the erotic and neurotic jean-jacques rousseau seventeen twelve to seventy eight whom he had just introduced to paris was carrying in his head or in his heart the seeds of a revolution against this enthronement of reason a revolution which armed with the impressive obscurities of immanuel kant would soon capture every citadel of philosophy naturally enough voltaire who was interested in everything and had a hand in every fight was caught up for a time in the circle of the encyclopedists they were glad to call him their leader and he was not averse to their incense though he thought some of their ideas needed a little pruning they asked him to write articles for their great undertaking and he responded with a facility and fertility which delighted them when he had finished this work he set about making an encyclopedia of his own which he called a philosophic dictionary with unprecedented audacity he took subject after subject as the alphabet suggested them and poured out under each heading part of his inexhaustible resources of knowledge and wisdom imagine a man writing on everything and producing a classic none the less the most readable and sparkling of voltaire's works aside from his romances every article a model of brevity clarity and wit 
some men can be prolix in one small volume voltaire is terse through a hundred here at last voltaire proves that he is a philosopher he begins like bacon descartes and locke and all the moderns with doubt and a supposedly clean slate i have taken as my patron saint saint thomas of didymus who always insisted on an examination with his own hands he thanks bayle for having taught him the art of doubt he rejects all systems and suspects that every chief of a sect in philosophy has been a little of a quack the further i go the more i am confirmed in the idea that systems of metaphysics are for philosophers that novels are for women it is only charlatans who are certain we know nothing of first principles it is truly extravagant to define god angels minds and to know precisely why god formed the world when we do not know why we move our arms at will doubt is not a very agreeable state but certainly is a ridiculous one i do not know how i was made and how i was born i did not know at all during a quarter of my life the causes of what i saw or heard or felt i have seen that which is called matter both as the star sirius and as the smallest atom which can be perceived with the microscope and i do not know what this matter is he tells a story of a good brahmin who says i wish i had never been born why so said i because he replied i have been studying these forty years and i find that it has been so much time lost i believe that i am composed of matter but i have never been able to satisfy myself what it is that produces thought i am even ignorant whether my understanding is a simple faculty like that of walking or digesting or if i think with my head in the same manner as i take hold of a thing with my hands i talk a great deal and when i have done speaking i remain confounded and ashamed of what i have said the same day i had a conversation with an old woman his neighbour i asked her if she had ever been unhappy for not understanding how her soul was made she did not even comprehend my question she had not for the briefest moment in her life had a thought about these subjects with which the good brahmin had so tormented himself she believed in the bottom of her heart in the metamorphoses of vishnu and provided she could get some of the sacred water of the ganges in which to make her ablutions she thought herself the happiest of women struck with the happiness of this poor creature i returned to my philosopher whom i thus addressed are you not ashamed to be thus miserable when not fifty yards from you there is an old automaton who thinks of nothing and lives contented you are right he replied i have said to myself a thousand times that i should be happy if i were but as ignorant as my old neighbour and yet it is a happiness which i do not desire this reply of the brahmin made a greater impression on me than anything that had passed even if philosophy should end in total doubt and montaigne's cassage it is man's greatest adventure and his noblest let us learn to be content with modest advances in knowledge rather than be forever weaving new systems out of our mendacious imagination we must not say let us begin by inventing principles whereby we may be able to explain everything rather we must say 
let us make an exact analysis of the matter and then we shall try to see with much diffidence if it fits in with any principle the chancellor bacon had shown the road which science might follow but then descartes appeared and did just the contrary of what he should have done instead of studying nature he wished to divine her this best of mathematicians made only romances in philosophy it is given us to calculate to weigh to measure to observe this is natural philosophy almost all the rest is chimera End of chapter seven